0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. I can assure you, time in, week in, week out, the only place you need to be is right here with us on The Brilliant Um Show. I'm Big Game Bob, coming to you on your local airwaves, however you're listening, wherever you're listening. Folks, we're just happy you are indeed listening. We got a very, very action-packed show for you folks today. First things first, what we're going to do is we're going to head over to Jersey Jerry, who... I wanted to touch base with him, sent me just a ridiculous voicemail this morning. We're recording this episode right now, Thursday. It is draft night, the NFL draft. I got a ridiculous voicemail from Jersey Jerry um, that I want to discuss with him, do it on air. A lot of this stuff, when Jerry does something ridiculous, I like to not even talk to him and just leave it for the air. So that it could be presented out to you folks. Uh, so we're going to be bringing in Jersey Jerry, and then we got the boys from Foreplay Pod. That is Riggs, Frankie Borelli. All of you know him, all right? Frankie, right? Uh, Dave Portnoy's right hand man, and then Trent. These guys created an incredible podcast through Barstool Sports. They're huge now and, and really did an incredible job of ramping up the younger generation in the golf world. And they've just been spectacular. Again, they work under barstool sports and have just done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Something that I want to talk to them about as well um, is they started this drink called the transfusion. And I don't know if they started it, but they really put this cocktail on the map. To me, it is without a doubt the best golf drink out there i don't even think it's remotely close and they really put this drink on the map again um really been doing a lot for the golf world for barstool sports a lot of you folks listening today i'm sure are familiar with them they've really really done an incredible job uh one more thing that i wanted to make an announcement on you probably noticed a different background here um people have been asking in regards to us with Action Park Media, and I just wanted to address, we actually will no longer be with Action Park Media. I mean, myself and Jersey Jerry. I love Action Park Media. I love Kevin Connolly. That's my guy. I appreciate and I love what they're doing, you know, taking a shot on us. But but when it came to just the future of this podcast, uh, we have a lot on the horizon and we have a lot in the works. And I just wanted me and Jerry to be able to do our own thing. And I'll let Jerry kind of speak for um, you know, himself on his podcast. But I really wanted to have the freedom to to do my own thing with the show and um, you know, kind of take on these different endeavors that we have lined up and, and and coming up for the show. Nothing but love and respect for the people over there at APM. Um, you know, I'll be looking forward to see what they're doing, but it was just time to really take it on our own and and, and do our own thing and I'm thrilled and again a lot to come within the next couple of weeks the next couple of months and in the meantime ladies and gentlemen let's bring on the big fella himself the jersey native that is the one and only Jerry Dunn that is Jersey Jerry Gerard Gilfone are you with us Gerard Gilphone Jerry, Jerry Diesel, Jerry, Jerry yep. Diesel, Jerry. Don, talk to the folks here at the Burnley Dumb Show. He's got the black and yellow on. Talk to us, Jerry.
1: This is custom, Bob. This is actually a T-shirt. The black is a T-shirt um cut off the sleeves and sewed on the yellow crew neck sweatshirt this is and, custom and
0: and you had that me do me a favor jerry don if you don't mind i could hear mel kuiper in the background yeah
1: i'll take care of it, give me a turn second. turn
0: mel by. mel down just a little bit jerry don and then we'll be able to get into your custom sweatshirt he's got a uh he's got a Steeler shirt on tonight and it kind of looks like a quilt in a way that was attached now jerry who did that
1: custom for you jerry don uh one of my co- one of my cousins uh, friends. Hundred dollars. I feel like I got beat a little bit, but
0: you,
1: you might have. You might have. We saw <laughs> you get beat
0: on the thing with the tattoo, Louie. I mean, I mean it looks nice. I don't think it's worth a hundred dollars, Diesel.
1: Me either. But I mean it's it's all right.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I th- it's black, okay.
1: black and gold until dead and cold.
0: I like that. Okay, that's neat. That's catchy, Jerry Don. Now, Don, I, I wanna jump into something, okay. I want to get right to it. You send me a voicemail this morning, and if you don't mind, Jerry, what I'm going to do mm-hmm. is, I'm I'm going to play I'm going to play the voicemail right now for the folks of the show, just to hear kind of the things that I have to wake up to, um, and the things that make you, Jerry, and uh, you know I know it's a big night for you. I know it's draft night. Here it is again for those of you listening to this on Tuesday right now. Um, this is being recorded on Thursday. This is what I woke up to this morning, Benny the Jet. If you could
1: fire up the voicemail. NFL draft tonight, Bob. You know, I know your opinion already. You want the Steelers to draft a quarterback. You think we need a quarterback? I'm getting tons of messages on Instagram, Bob, that the Steelers need a quarterback. (laughs) The Steelers, right, they don't need need a quarterback, okay? I know what they need. They need a running back. And I know the running back that they need. The running back they need is Najee Harris, okay? I got news for you, Bob, okay? Listen up and listen very, very close here. If the Steelers don't draft Najee Harris from Alabama, I'm out. Consider us not friends. I'm done. The show's done. I'm done. Work is done. I'm finished, okay? I've had enough of the Steelers' non-existent run game, okay? That's why we didn't win the Super Bowl. That's why, Bob. Goodbye.
0: Diesel, I I I wake up. To this voicemail, okay, and
1: uh, I, well, it ain't a well, it ain't a joke. It ain't a joke. So, I mean, if you think it's a joke, it ain't a joke. Because, you know, Bob, you know, I look back in the last year and, and I see the Steelers starting off, you know, eleven and zero, and I just say to myself, a team like that starting off like that—that's a Super Bowl team, number one—and they did all that last year without a running back, so. Kevin Colbert, the GM, he's got to look at it this this year and say, why did we lose last year? Okay, you didn't lose because, you you know, uh, your defense was bad because they had a top five defense. You lost because you couldn't run the ball. (laughs) There was no running game at all. I I mean, they're averaging 1.9 yards a rush. (laughs) You don't
0: win. But Don... Jerry, Don, that, that's not why we're discussing this here right now. The thing that we're discussing right now, why would, regardless of of who the Steelers draft in the draft, why would that affect, why are you going to quit your job and quit the show? How does that translate? How does whether or not the Steelers are going to get Najee Harris translate to you, not only quitting the show and and the people who love seeing you on the show week in, week out, myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah but you're not. You, I mean it's very simple. Uh okay, look at it like this way. I've been following the Steelers team since I was probably 7 years old religiously. I see a pattern, Bob, and when I see a pattern that I don't like, it starts to get really frustrating. And the pattern I see is this Steelers team, right? If they don't draft a running back and they go get whatever an offensive lineman uh in the first round, okay, look at it like this. When's the last time you've seen the Steelers in an AFC Championship game, Bob? long time, right? Okay. This team is, uh, is on the decline and I see the decline going like this. And right now it's like that. Look at the vape. It's like that. I then it's the like vape. that. I see the vape. And, and folks, for those of you
0: not watching on the YouTube right now, Jerry Don is using his vape to show the trajectory of the Steelers
1: year by year. Uh, keep going, Jerry. I apologize. And right now it's like that, Bob, even though they finished, uh, you know, well over 500 last year. This team, if they don't sharpen up and sharpen up really quick, they will be the laughing stock of the NFL, which they kind of were through, through, towards the end of the year last year. You know what I mean? No they question. Really
0: but 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 Jerry, you uh, you're still and, and I get that, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But what I am disagreeing with it, why does depending on what the Steelers do result in a you quitting your job? You got a baby on the way that we talked about the Patreon. Okay, because
1: because I don't want to be laughed at Bob, you understand. And if I keep coming on here week by week, you know, during football season and the Steelers, got Benny Snell at running back. You know what I mean? It, it was never Benny Snell. He's a bum. He's a bum. He's fat. He's overweight. He's slow. You, you know, James Conner, the same thing, you know. But you think it's better to not be
0: laughed at, not have a job and not come on the show rather than to come on the show, have a job, regardless of what the Steelers do? Because what worries me, Jerry Don, is you are truly such a staple to the show now. You really are. But what scares me come football time is if the Steelers are not winning, we don't know what's going to happen to Jerry Dunn. Last time you got in a fight at work, yeah. okay, last time we had to wake up to a cop pulling you off somebody, one of your coworkers, okay, because yeah. they lost what I believe was a regular season game. It was. It was a regular season game, and we just don't know what, where you're going to go. If the Steelers are winning, it's great. And now you tell me that if they don't draft Najee Harris, you're done. And that scares yeah. me, Jerry Dunn. Do I think that's ridiculous? Absolutely. Do I think a lot of the people listening to this now think that's
1: ridiculous? Absolutely. And, well, and go ahead, Don. No, I just, I don't. you know, uh, you know, like I said before, I don't deal with people laughing at me too well, Bob, because, you know, you know, as a little kid, uh, you know, I don't like to have flashbacks like this, but you know, there was time where I was picked on, you know, and uh, that's all I'm going to say on that.
0: I'm sorry about that, Don, but it doesn't... Answer the question of why? I mean, Dub, we can't, we can't
1: lose you here. Yeah, but I'm tired of the people sometimes, Bob. You know what I mean? I love the fans. I love each and every one of them. But then you get some of those fans, Bob. They just like to push buttons. They do. And, they and they I do. don't like my buttons pushed like that, especially when it comes to the Steelers.
0: But you know what, Jerry? They're they're always going to be there. You know what I mean? Like? That those fans, they're they're always going to be there. But the good outweighs the bad. The Jerry Don fans that love you that waited outside of the country club the other day now correct me if i'm wrong jerry the gm of the country club that you were playing golf at comes to you on the 13th hole and says ninth ninth hole ninth hole on the ninth hole and Mm -hmm. says to you are you jersey jerry you say yes there's a group of fans outside lined up for you so i think that the good outweighs the bad you're always going to have those fans you're always going to have those people whether it's on the podcast in the public eye or not jerry Don.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree, and I will tell you what, that was one of the most special moments I ever had. Yeah, was that was that was that 18th hole walking down and seeing all those fans and tipping the hat to them like I was Tiger.
0: Or, or yeah, pretty much you pretty much had a crowd on you like you were Tiger Woods on a Sunday, or yeah. or even you know, remember when you woke me up at three thirty in the morning when we were in Florida to go outside and meet a meet a fan? Yeah, yeah, I remember. You had no, a definitely. drive-through running of the fans like we were a fucking McDonald's. There's people just <laughs> coming in our driveway the tire of, of our Airbnb. Yeah. And that was spectacular. But the good outweighs the bad, Jerry Don. A- and I know you could say you understand now. And, again, we are close to draft night. We're doing it live now for the Patreon happy hour. Um, and I am genuinely concerned. I also think, Jerry, if – You got to look at it realistically. Why I'm very concerned is I do not think if I'm being honest with you, the Steelers have, I don't want to say any chance. I think there is a slim chance that they do get Najee Harris.
1: Um, okay. I understand that, but I'm pretty sure now the dolphins, they need a running back. Okay. But I've read some articles that the dolphins are really, really interested in ETN. So I think the dolphins have two picks inside the top, Twenty? Do they? Okay. They might have two picks in the top. They're 20. loaded. They're
0: loaded with picks. Yeah,
1: I, I, th- I think that they're going to draft Etn, and then I think that leaves the door open for the Steelers at twenty-four to come in and get Najee Harris. And if they pass on Najee, listen, okay, I'll put it to you this way. I'm going to quit everything. Okay, I'm going to qu- quit everything. I wanted to rephrase it. If Najee, Najee Harris is available at twenty-four and the Steelers don't draft him, it's a problem, and it's a very big problem. But if he's not available, I'll chuck it up as a loss. But <laughs> if he's available, it's a different story.
0: Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. So that, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel better because I do think if they have that, and again, this is weird because people are going to be hearing this when the draft had already taken place. Um, yeah. And, and Don, that does make me feel better But I I can honestly say if he's on the board and the Steelers come up to pick, I will honestly be very, very concerned because if Jerry Don says he's going to quit his job, he's going to quit his job. If Jerry Don says he's going to quit the show, he's going to quit the show um so we will see and time will tell um jerry in the meantime we hope and pray we have you back next week the people love you i love you you're my best friend i need you on the screen we need you on the show uh will the steelers get naji harris that is jerry don jerry don we will absolutely see you next week big fella and by the way uh one more thing jerry diesel yeah Seeing the seeing funny, funny pitch, papers, Don. Bro. And there he is, Jerry Don himself. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I tell you, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this draft tonight. He He's not kidding. I've seen him do it when they lost the playoff game. Um, When it comes to Pittsburgh Steelers football, this guy is clinically insane. He is clinically insane. A- and if he says he's going to quit his job, I truly believe he will quit his job. This is just... It's Jerry Don, and we love him for it. We're also scared shitless. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I told you we had a very special guest on tonight. That is the boys from the Four Play Pod, really taking over the golf world. Um, long time coming. Would love to go out and get some golf content with these guys. Truly, truly incredible. Um, one of their members who's been a. a been on the show f- confirmed friend of the pod um, has is not there with them. So it's going to be Barstool Riggs, Frankie and Barstool Trent three out of the four. Let's head on over to our interview with the foreplay pod. How are we doing, rigsy how are you? We got Trent in the house. Frankie, how you doing there, chief?
2: What's up, Robbie? How now, I'll tell now?
0: you, no, no, no okay. lurch today. We had lurch on the show and we had an absolute ball. Frankie, me and you, I've been wanting to have you guys on for the longest time. Me and you talked about it. We were at the bar, and I don't know if you remember this. We were just going to have a couple drinks. We end up having a ton of beers, and then finally the server came over to us and gave us a Jameson shot that we (laughs) never ordered. Mm. And we looked at that Jameson shot, (laughs) and we knew that that was going to be it for us. That was the one that was going to just set us over the edge.
2: I think we both looked at it and we looked at each other. We said, This is a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was legitimately an issue. It was like a warm, just not chill Jameson shot, not asked for, just unwanted. And but we we did it like champs, and we we had a great night. Listen, I I've been a big fan of you for for a long time back in the Snapchat days. Um, you know, you're my one of my best friend's first cousin. Like Kyle Berger. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a long time coming, man. It's like, I feel like I've known you for a long, long time and, uh, I I think you do a great job with the show. So we're happy to be on.
0: Well, I appreciate you boys. And I I tell you, I've really been looking forward to having you guys on. I'm finally, I'm happy. We finally got this done. Um, you, you know what I want to get right out of the gate with you boys. Okay. That gets credit, but doesn't get enough credit, which is just fascinating to me. Okay, you guys really put the transfusion on the map. And I, before you came out with this, it was like nobody even really knew what a transfusion was. I think it is far and away the best drink out there. rigsy am I wrong here? Well, look- First of all, thanks for having us. We're,
3: we're big fans. You are, every time you talk, it's laugh out loud. Funny. Like, no matter what you fucking say, it's awesome. Me laugh. It's, so, it's, it's awesome. So good. It's awesome. I, I that fires me up. I can't get enough of it. It's so good. But, and hearing you say transfusion like that, I might have to save that sound bite soundbite, <laughs> but it's, I didn't know, you know, like, look, we're all, none of us are like country club kids, right? We all just played public golf going wherever the hell we could. Frankie's, you know, hacking up Eisenhower blue out there. And we're all, I'm back in St. Charles, Missouri, trying to get the cheapest. And the first time I ever heard of a transfusion was at Essex County Club in North Shore, Massachusetts. Uh, and I was, my buddy's like, yeah, this is a great tree. You got to try it, had it. And then I would tell other people about it. This is way before we ever were at bar store doing a golf show. And it was very hit or miss. Like if you were, mostly if you were like a country club person on the Northeast, you would kind of heard of it. But outside of that, nobody had really heard of it. And it was just at different courses where I did it. I didn't even know what was in it. I was like, "Yeah, hey, just get a transfusion. It's fucking great, whatever." And then I we started talking about it on the show one time. Might have even been way back when it was just Trent and I doing the show. And then uh, people started to tweet at me and be like, "What is that drink, man?" And so we just kind of started telling people this is the mix. This is and people were going to the store grabbing all the ingredients and then just tweeting pictures at us. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think it kind of was already getting bigger. But it's just a really good drink and everybody's always looking for the new drink, right? Like you're we're all so sick ordering the same shit that you just want to try something new. So anytime something pops up on somebody's radar, of like that's a really good drink, everybody's sniffing around. Like, what's
0: what's in that little drink you're talking about there? So I you know think but that the, was the only the only problem that I have with the transfusion is I like it so much to where I want it to be mainstream in regards to restaurants, to where if I go out to a restaurant I have no issue ordering a transfusion. I would love to order a transfusion, but it's almost like the the transfusion cocktail is just in the golf community to where if I order it at a a restaurant, they they almost will not know what I'm talking about. It's like it's solely a golf thing. Yeah, and you can
3: tell them what's in it, but they'll fuck it up. People will fuck it up a lot. They'll get the ratio wrong. Like. You know, you you can tell them like, yeah, a little ginger ale, kind of all the way to the top with some vodka, just a splash of grape juice, and then they'll just mess it up. It'll come back like, you know, like a, like almost like a vodka
0: cranberry or something. You are like, no, and that's I, not. I, 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 <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it, it almost is like you guys put grape juice back on the map. I mean, grape, grape juice was, Trent, am I wrong here? Did we do that?
4: I, I mean, listen, I will take credit. We will all take credit for putting grape juice back on the map. I don't know if it necessarily ever left the map, but if we wanted that credit, I'll take that credit all day yeah, long. I, also, I, I, a lot, a I, lot
3: of places don't have grape juice. So even if true. you try to tell them like, hey, I want this, this, and this, they're like, yeah, we don't have grape juice. And they put Gatorade in it. And it's kind of okay,
0: whatever. Yeah. Um, so we said, fuck it. And just came up with our own. There are ten more, ten times the amount of country clubs now stocking grape juice than there was before, and I absolutely love it. What I want to want to ask you boys is this, okay? You guys go out, and everybody that follows you see the amount of golf that you guys get to play, okay? When you're out there, do do you almost have? Is it almost still hard to believe that it's your day to day job? I mean, you see the amount of golf that you guys play, the courses you guys get to go it's got to still be hard to believe that this is what you guys get to do for a living. Yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, for
2: sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think, I think we have a lot of those moments at Barstool. I've talked about that at length in my career here, that it's just a, you know, it's a place that um, when you have um, hobbies and you have like a love for something, you can kind of just grow into it. And we have such a great fan base and, and so many people that, that love to watch us do things for some reason. And I say some reason because. I can't fathom someone wanting to watch me do anything like that's just how I was that's just how I am that's how I'm wired I, I just I think down on myself I just can't believe that that's what people spend their time doing but I could also put myself in the same shoes of my uh, of when I was like 16 and 15 and I would watch the rundown every single night of Dave Portnoy or every time Dave Portnoy would interview someone I felt like I interviewed that person or every time he got backstage passes to the NFL show I was backstage at the NFL show. you know what I mean so I guess people just put themselves in our shoes um so i i could see it a little bit but yeah i i um pinch myself every single day that we get to do this stuff and we get to just create what we want like whether it's a series that we want or anything um it's really we're really blessed and lucky well, let me no ask you frankie
0: it. you what you had an interesting situation because you were doing the pizza reviews with dave which obviously was such a hit and you actually became a staple of the pizza reviews to where It really, you think of Dave, you think of the pizza reviews, you think of the all right, Frankie, you got to now have the conversation with Dave. Hey, I'm going to go be joining the foreplay pilot. I'm going to be going doing golf content. Was that a tough conversation to have with him?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. And he couldn't have been better about it. I mean, we're, we're still like tiptoeing around stuff to this day. I mean, we've got, it's like at this point, it's a full blown company, the golf thing. And we're still like, Oh, maybe Frankie can go to this, but, but no, he's been, uh, he's been great about it. I mean, he's doing pizza reviews just by himself on selfie sticks. Now at this point, if you've seen the latest Florida <laughs> one, so that guy, that guy could get a million views eating pizza if you filmed him through a penny, like it just doesn't, it doesn't right. matter what, who's there, what's there. He's Dave Fortnite, He's going to get it done. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, he, he was great about it though. He knows credit to Riggs and Trent. They built something that was legitimate and I was able to, to kind of latch on to because, um, without that, it would have been this, what is Frankie doing? You know, I'm building this pizza review empire. Why are you going to go over there, do that golf stuff? He saw dollars. He saw success. He's like, go, go ahead, go do it. If it's working. You know, you can come back later if it's not. So he's been great. Now, and I trend- would
3: say, too, I would say, like, with uh, with Barstool, like, Dave's been a genius in Barstool's a lot like a TV show where, like, on season three or four, like, a main character can be added, right? And yep. can become a huge part of the show. And, like, even if you look at The Office, like, Will Ferrell on it, and, like, some people, that's, like, their favorite part of – the office. So, you know, we've done the same shit, right? Like we've added Frankie. um, He's his own character. He's carved out like a massive part of foreplay in the golf sort of like business that we do. Lurch has carved out a massive part and become a huge part of the four man scrambles and of photos and looking ridiculous and photo. it's, (laughs) It's like we've been able to kind of adopt the model that Dave put on that we were all huge fans of that I know you were, you're a fan of that like we wouldn't be at Barstool Trent exactly like me Frankie exactly like me and that like we were fans of David Barstool forever before we were part of it so in a lot of ways like yeah we've you know branched out and kind of been able to uh, carve out and build our own thing but it's it's based almost on like mimicking uh, kind of what Dave did with Barstool just doing it with golf and I think like if you took the the average weekend foursome of buddies if you if you went out there and you had the production and you had like the plan behind it to film it in a really good way like you'd get a lot of really funny interesting shit like people were just funny and they have good camaraderie and I think like us being able to bring that to people like we are very lucky in that we're basically filming what people do all the time when they go out and play golf and it's relatable and we try to make people laugh but like that's what we would say that's what we say to to each other off
4: camera.
0: (laughs) It's the same kind of shit. Now, but when you guys, so when you guys start up, are you thinking to yourselves, are you thinking in advance to where, okay, we're going to start foreplay pod. If we can make this work, we're going to be able to pull off what you guys are pulling off now to where I mean, you're living the golfer's dream. You, you, you really are. I mean, are you thinking to where, okay, if we make this work, if we make this thing pop, nobody's going to question us because you're bringing in the revenue that you're bringing to where you're allowed to go. You could feel comfortable playing 36 holes a day if you want honestly like trent and i were like let's try to come up with shit
3: so that we don't get fired like that was literally that's always the goal <laughs> was like, that was all we we're like dude we just need to make ourselves useful so that when they look at us at the end of every year they're not like yeah we can just get rid of these guys like that was and our big thing was like we were the two guys at the company at the time i'm employee number 19 trent you're what like 13 or something 24.
4: uh 12 yeah
3: 12 so like we were just the only two guys at the company at the time that were on the on the content side that liked golf and we decided to start a golf podcast took a few months for dave to ever listen to it i still don't know that he ever did and green light it and then that we were like cool if we do this podcast and we do ad reads like in theory that'll be justification for us to continue to have a job
0: you know it's friend you know what i love about you you got what's that you got a second for me to tell you what i love about you i would love to hear <laughs> it sure okay. yeah You are in the stage where kind of I am too, where you're figuring out your golf game. Like I saw you out with Frankie the other day, you're out there trying to break a hundred and you're in such a rare position in the sense of anybody else who's trying to figure out their game and really figure out their swing. They don't have hundreds of thousands of people watching to where you're on the tee box, you got Dustin Johnson behind you. <laughs> the, you know, you, you're, you're in this situation to where it's got to be, like I go to the first tee box, I'm a mess without anybody behind me. Here you are, you got hundreds of thousands of people watching.
4: I, is it tough? You know, it's actually not as tough as you might think because what we found out is that bad golf people relate to more than really, really good golf. And that's I'm where actually- you're fucked, Rigs. well you wait till you see his short game in some of these upcoming videos it's insane
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no Trent's right like we if you can get over the the stigma and the negativity of people just roasting you and saying you suck at something because nobody wants to be told they just suck at something yeah it's great like nobody tunes in for us to hit it down the middle of fairway hit it the middle of green two putt make a bunch of pars and shoot 72 like that would just be Dog shit content so the be- the worse we do it actually pans it pans out better for views but the natural golfer in you like you want to do well so fucking right. badly you right. want to hit a good shot you want to flush one and be like did you fucking see that I'm an athlete I'm a player I can do it this is awesome and when you don't it's insanely frustrating but then when you post it on the internet like it does really well
4: right so the fans have been really supportive actually of me being a terrible golfer and we're now going to try to progress and be a better golfer with this breaking 100 series that i'm going to do and now we're just going to have people watch me hopefully become a better golfer i'm going to go down to georgia i'm going to take lessons with john tillery we're going to try to get my game right we're going to try to break 100 then we're going to try to break 90 and i'm just going to take the fans with me on that journey so far they've been super supportive of it we'll see maybe if i'm shooting 85 in the next couple years people will be like fuck trent but right (laughs) now you know things people should be very supportive of it and they're just going to be along for the ride
0: yeah you you are in such a sweet spot right now you really
4: are you really are i agree and it's you know it's it's afforded me the opportunity to go train and do lessons with a guy like JT, John Tillery. So, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, but we'll see if I get any better. Maybe I just won't get any better. Maybe I'll take lessons with the greatest swing coaches in the world. It'll be like Frankie's chipping. He's gotten lessons from the pros from the best swing coaches of all time his chipping still sucks. My game might just be that way too. (laughs) You know,
0: you know, what is, is an all time clip for you guys is Frankie I'm coming your way. When you guys are at, I, I forget what tournament it was, but when Bryson calls you out to the range and Riggs, you could tell you're filming because you're hackling in the back. And, PGA and,
2: Championship at Beth Page, my home which makes course. it <laughs> it's like I got, I have like I think a couple of the New York Islanders were like in the fan section, standing up on the uh, in this in the crowd, like watching this happen. And Bryson goes, "Come on, Frankie!" And we go and get a lefty wedge from someone. Now, did you? Um, want-
0: Find, like so so Bryson calls you out to the range and you needed to find a lefty wedge, lefty wedge. When you guys are doing that, did you want to find the wedge or were you just hoping that there would be no wedge to be found?
2: Yeah, no, like I was a little bit nervous, but these guys made sure that we found a wedge. I think you guys <laughs> yeah. went to uh you guys went literally- to like it we pulled somebody, out of the trunk of, of somebody's PGA, car. Yeah,
3: it was one of the PGA professionals who qualified for the tournament, mm-hmm. it was playing in the PGA championship who happened to be lefty, who's a fan and a big stoolie. And we were like, dude, we need one of your fucking wedges right now.
2: Yeah, and he just gave it to them out of their trunk. And uh, yep. that's one of that was a that was a huge video for us because it's PGA championship week. Uh, what was that, 2019? 2019, 2019. Uh, 2019. And you know, like we're we're on a good streak of making our mark on these tournaments. We go there, we get the credentials. It's a big thing. It's, it's New York. And you know, this is like, this is it. This is the PGA championship. And we get there. It's like our first day, basically on the golf course. And we get like a 1.6 million view video on Twitter. And we're like, Holy shit. Like we just did it for the week. Like now, like everything else is gravy. Like when we go to these tournaments, like when we get that one moment, that's like our thing Four plays there, bar stools there that. So to be able to do that, obviously everyone was laughing at my expense, but I'll take that on the chin. Like, that's fine. Like the, the wedges I've, I don't want to hit bad wedges anymore. like, that may be breaking news i'm legitimately trying to not do that anymore i when the cameras are not there i mean trent and i've been playing a lot of golf together just solo no cameras i legitimately still chunk my wedges and i'm like this is not fun anymore this this isn't like for laughs on twitter this isn't for youtube views i want to hit this on the green just me and you me and you trent and i just chunk it and i "I said you know what this is fucking bullshit now like now it's stupid you know what, to back off like what Riggs was saying, you know, people want to see bad shots and stuff.
0: Frankie, you are a total nut, job, nut and, job. And and it's great. So, so you know, we kind of hope that you don't change them. We want to see that. And yeah, of course, you're going to want to change it. But from a viewership standpoint, people want to see a, a total head case out there.
2: Well, I think the good thing is that it's authentic at this point. A lot of people think it's the opposite. That that it's like, oh, it's a five year running gag. Like, when are you gonna drop the butter knife? It's like, dude, you think I don't wanna drop the butter knife stigma? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, dude. Like, I want to hit good wedge shots. We're going to the nicest golf courses in America and I'm blading it through people yelling
3: at him. People yell it at him from two fairways like,
2: over. Like Oh, and Rick, Rick
0: is behind the camera, just dying. And it's <laughs> yeah. how, how could you not be. I, I mean, I'm a say, weapon was- out there.
3: I got a shout out. It was Alex Beach was the guy's name whose wedge we took. Who's yep, I've wow, seen the a lefty golfer from Westchester Country Club. He had to, at least that's where he was at the time. Who qualified and gave us that wedge. But but yeah, I mean that's the other beauty of it, right? Is that like we're lucky that we have four completely different people and golfers on the show. Like we have Trent, who is you know as like endearing as you can have. Who there's a million golfers just like millions of golfers just like Trent who are like trying to get down there trying to break 100 we have frankie who's a complete like nutcase out there we oh, have Bert, who, like oh. hits the ball on a string and is pretty cool calm collected <laughs> like we have me who has the ugliest swing in the world who like thinks he should be really good but just isn't and it's like we're just a ridiculous cast of characters and like i said earlier we just started the show because we were trying to help Barstow in some way so they would keep us hire or keep us employed but it's also we're like everybody else we're just golf nuts like we're obsessed with everything about the game you can't help it when you fall into that trap of golf like it owns you forever you think about your swing you think about like, what's totally that new take? swing so- what's that new swing tip fucking Trent heard from Kisner. What's that? Then you're on the range. You're like, you know, what did Bryson say to Tay Frankie about his chipping? And then you're working. That's all you think about when you chip for the next month straight. Like that's you're obsessed with every part of the game, courses, logos, swings, like everything. And so it makes it for like infinite content because once you're hooked on this goddamn game, like you're it's, it's a relationship you're going to have well, just
2: forever. And also Robbie, we just we just filmed the video and it hasn't come out yet, but we had one guy in the 70s, one guy in the 80s, one guy in the 90s and one guy in the 100s. Perfect. I mean Try, legitimately, everyone trying their hardest to score the best score they could possibly score, like competition, really getting angry when you hit bad shots, really being excited when you hit good shots. And we had a 70, an 80, a 90, and 100s. Like, that is, you I mean, pe- you cannot script it anymore. No, and people are going to say, oh, the guys who hit in the 90s and the 100s, you guys suck. But, like, hey, Not everyone hits in the eighties and the seventies. There's going to be people that relate to the guy who shot a 91 and the guy who shot 110, like that. We have a little bit of everything for everyone and that's natural. That's naturally the scores. So that's something I'm really proud of as weird as that sounds like the fact that we can range, you know, that many strokes and, and hit that many people. Do you guys
0: like, was there a time for you guys? Like something that I always found hysterical was kind of like the beefs that you got into, like Justin Thomas and like, you know, Bryson and stuff like that. And like Riggs, I've heard you say, you know, how close now you and Justin Thomas are. But but do you kind of think like when you guys are recording and stuff or like Frankie, you know, when you had the thing with Bryson, do you guys in a way – do you kind of forget how big it is to where it's going to get around back to them? And then like, you see them on the range, you know, Ian Poulter, stuff like that. Like then you cross paths with these guys. Do you, in a way, is it kind of easy to forget? Like, okay, if we do say something bad about a guy, even though if that's what we really feel, it's going to come back around.
3: Yeah. A million 100%. percent. Like yeah. it's <laughs> It happens almost every time. A good example is like two or three weeks ago. I mean, Billy Horschel wins the match play and then the next week at Augusta, there's a couple of clips of him slamming his clubs into his bag. And we went on a 15 minute, you know, sort of tirade about how much of a, a nut job and lunatic this guy appears to be and how unlikable he is. And then literally the next day, our friend Pat Perez, who's buddies with him is like, yeah, I was talking with Billy and he was like, man, they really went in on me and they're gone. So you're thinking like, how the fuck does he know that? I just told my friends, you know, Lurch, Frankie and Trent about that. But so, yeah, you forget that, that there's a lot of people out there. You forget that like, like the reason we know JT now is like he got my number and like Facetime me to kind of chat about stuff, and then ultimately came on the show because the shit that we had said had had an impact on <clears throat> sort of you know, fans and the way that they talk to him. So that's fucking crazy town that that's a real thing.
4: I do think it's to the show's benefit that we sometimes forget how big the platform is or how big our Twitter followings are, because we'll say some outrageous shit that we probably shouldn't be saying with that big of a platform, but at least it's genuine and it's authentic because if you get a big platform like that, and then you sanitize everything that you say about every player, about every tournament, it becomes white noise. It becomes like every other show that's out there. So I think forgetting or even encouraging each other to forget some Sometimes just be like, let's just talk like how we would talk if there weren't mics here. If we didn't have this huge Twitter following, it's going to benefit us. Yeah, it's going to get us in some beefs and there's going to be some players that don't like us. But then that just becomes another storyline. And then we work through that way. Like, I really do think if you if we got to the point where we're at now and we started to watch what we say and, you know, sanitize it, I think it, it, it would hurt the show. So I think in a way it's good to be as outrageous as we are at times.
0: You know, what's funny though, like, cause I was looking, you know, into your guys, like the different ones that you had, like with the Poulter and stuff like that. You do think though, at the same time, because now, and especially with how ruthless the Barstool fans can be, it, and it's this younger generation that's coming into golf. That's so clear now that, you know, you just have this whole new movement in the golf world. And I think COVID actually helped a lot of that. But if you guys don't like somebody, they almost want to do good by you guys or even like Bryson kind of make it right so that they don't have this huge fan base who now dislikes them to where you kind of in a way have the power to where they want to make it right by you guys as crazy as that may seem. Yeah, there was
3: a stretch there where people called us like image rehab. That's kind of what they called like foreplay, going on foreplay, because we, you know, we had JT when we had been harsh on JT. Then we had Bubba Watson, and we had been harsh on Bubba yep. Watson. We had him and Ted Scott on together and pray for Ted Scott, all that stuff. So there was a stretch there where people were were referring to us as Image Rehab. But yeah, you know, it's interesting because we're like we almost we try not to go to or we don't go to many tour events and we watch, you know, with a cell phone and a TV because we largely want to watch it like everybody else does and be able to make our kind of opinions and thoughts on what everybody else sees. So like if we see something on TV and through the coverage and we determine that guy comes off like a real asshole, um, chances are a lot of people are thinking that. And then if you meet that person and you get to chat with that person or they get to explain their side of things, you're probably going to think that they're a little better off than you thought they were previously. Like that's just human nature. So Um, So yeah, you call it like flip flopping and like we make fun of ourselves for that because when you have people on you can actually fucking talk through stuff, instead of just going off what they decided to show in the coverage you're going to get more of a full picture and you're probably going to like people more often um, or more than you did before. So that's definitely happened to us and people can call us flip-floppers for sure. Um, But we've, we've also admitted that like, yeah, we just changed our minds because the guy came on the show and talked to us.
2: Yeah. Once they, I mean, let's call it spade a Once they come on the show, we just suck them off. Like (laughs) it's just, it's as factual of a statement as I can possibly make. Once they hop on that zoom, it's like, we're best friends. It is what it is. If Ian Poulter comes on the show, we're going to be rocking the fucking hair. Oh. Yeah, I know You say no, but come on, man. We're all going to be the- wearing visors and crazy polka dot pants. You know that.
4: <laughs> he's the one guy who I f- hope I don't flip-flop on. I probably will if he comes on the show, but he's the one who I really don't want to, but it'll probably end up happening. Yeah.
0: No, you know what, though? I think all, at the same time, though, if there is a guy that's not going to flip-flop, though, I maybe he'll hold his ground. I, I think he but might. You might be him. right yeah
2: right true
3: a- and It'd be great like he's one of the guests people ask us a lot like who do you really want on who are your top five like Ian Poulter might be yeah, obviously Tiger yeah. Woods filmmaker Ian Poulter would be like Poulter. number one like we we that's the kind of shit that people really want to hear right like there's only so much of like oh what club did you hit into 18 there were you nervous that you can do whereas when you have real raw like personalities and we got to give Poulter credit like he's got a personality right like he's right. polarizing He Europe fucking loves him. A lot of people in America hate him. Like, that's awesome. That's good for the game. Um, But we hate him. We we don't like him. So I think if we had somebody that we genuinely have not liked, Frankie likes him. But if we had him on for four or five five years of of just disdain towards the guy, I imagine it would be a really
2: good show. i'm looking forward to someone like walking off the show one day we've never had that before (laughs) never it's always been nice and like cordial just like one day just like you know what fuck you fuck you and he just hangs up (laughs) that's something i'm looking forward to and i know i'm a very negative person but like that's something that i think we need we need someone to stand their ground
0: well i i feel like for that too you got to really commit like it's tough (laughs) yeah it's tough to keep your gas on the pedal for that to where if it gets a little bit chippy <laughs> it gear. It's a tough gear to kind of kick it into to say, okay, we're really going to go with this. And Trent, I don't think you got a mean bone in your body, you know? No. So it's, it's, do you kick it into that gear?
4: I don't know. I guess we'd have to see in the heat of battle with Ian Poulter. I would, I would hope that I would go back at him, but who knows? He's just done so many things like trying to get regular people fired because his Ferrari wasn't delivered on time. Like yeah. that stuff actually makes me angry. So I'm hoping in the moment, if it ever happens that I will go back at him. I and mean, I I hope he walks off the show. That would be incredible. Trent, Trent did
3: tweet, like go fuck yourself to like another <laughs> adult male one time.
4: Yeah, when we were uh, – the beef with old man media was really going when we were over in Australia for the President's Cup. Yeah, I, I called uh, Jeff Shackelford a miserable fuck. That's right. <laughs> he, That's he, right. He, but he was, he was right. being totally a
0: miserable fuck. Back. I totally take that back.
4: He was being a miserable fuck. If you're being a miserable fuck, I'm going to call you a miserable fuck. But
0: you know what I do wonder? Like, I don't know if you guys saw the video I had with Bubba Watson when I'm chirping him at uh, a yeah. era. I, yeah. Like, I wonder, and you guys got into it with Bubba, like, when, like I, Riggs, I think it was just you that went to go see and play the match with with Bubba Watson. Are you thinking to yourself, okay, we said some bad things about him. When I see him, is it better to just address it and get it water under the bridge? or Or do you just let it go and let him bring it up?
3: No, you have to address it. Like Frankie's always really good about that too, of like we because you know everybody's thinking it, right? So like if I show up and I'm just like, Bubba, let's bro hug and tap up, you're the man. Everyone's thinking like, I know what that fucking guy tweeted about Bubba Watson. Like, what is this? So you have to address it um and i you know and i think that that we do and I, but i think if you don't almost lead with it then it's just like everything else is garbage that was said before that like none of it's real until you've addressed it and then everyone's like oh yeah, okay, that's
2: right. we had matthew wolf on one of these videos the taylor made videos yeah. and like i had just said like he had i think we were comparing his swing to rory mcelroy's i said rory mcelroy has the swing of like a beautiful dove and and you got this like orangutan looking swing it's one of the most disgusting things i've ever seen so when we're doing a video about his swing in person i'm like by the way i said you had the ugliest swing on tour i just want to let you know that that (laughs) happened and he was just like totally cool about it he's like all right like yeah whatever it was a little awkward but then we got through it and he was awesome so yeah i think you do need to just clear the you know water under the bridge this is what happened um and I wish that people gave, like, sometimes we have haters, all, I mean, sometimes, all the time we have haters that just see us with our takes. And, you know, we'll, we'll have like our producer was put out like a 10 second clip of something stupid. We said in a two hour podcast, and that gets clicks and that gets views. But like, same thing when we see like a Billy Horschel for 10 seconds, getting mad on a golf course, we make assumptions about him. We, we make our comments, we go on about our show, but like, if, if we actually had him for an hour, we'd probably find out that he's a normal guy, which I like I wish every one of our fans had the same, um, you know, um, this is one of those foreplay moments when, you know, opportunities, the word opportunity, mm. same opportunity with us. We're like, Oh, hey, well, just meet us. We're like normal people. Right. Like they see us getting mad and angry on the podcast um, for five seconds and they make their assumption about us. But if they, if they talk to us all at a bar or whatever, it's like, Oh yeah, they're just normal dudes. So I think it is like, you know, it's water under the bridge type stuff. You got to give people, you um, you know, the time of day to really find out who they are because we do talk a lot of shit. Do we you really got, do.
0: You guys got to be so prone to by now, like in the comments section. And again, you know, the the Barstool fan base, they're so loyal, but at the same time, they're, they're, they're vicious. Yeah. Are you guys just so prone to the comments now and the haters and the things that come in there to where you don't even check it or you're just so used to it by now that you know how to just wear it? A
3: little bit of both. I mean, for me, I like I post videos every fucking day and I, you just get roasted in the comments. But I like the, the biggest thing that helps you kind of just accept it is that if we were to respond to any one of those, they would immediately be like, ha ha, busting your balls. Uh, huge fan, love yeah. the show. If you're ever in town in Dallas, like you got to get out to my course, we'd love to host you. So, like, we've been through that song and dance a million times that you understand that these people on the internet are not who they are in reality. A, B, they're watching. So, like, somebody will comment, like, uh, can't believe you went with that club choice on, you know, on the third shot, you fucking idiot. I'm like, well, that's five minutes into the video, so clearly you're watching all the videos, which is great for us. Um, and C, you realize that, like, Frankie made a great point where he's like, dude, I'll be on in the comment section on, you know, YouTube when our video's going, and some guy is just saying the most, like, horrific stuff about me as a human being and then like when I look up from that I'm just in my kitchen like cooking dinner with like my family and that's those worlds existing at the same time the internet's just not a real place so you learn that like it's not a big deal it's not a real place
2: you just put the phone down you're just like I'm now away from that (laughs) this is now present like this is my this is my reality now i'm cooking like pasta that's
4: it it's like coming up for air when you're on the internet you're underwater and you're just like anything can happen down here but then when you look up from your phone you're like oh i can breathe and it's fine like i i think you work on the internet long enough and everybody on this show has been working on the internet for a very long time at this point you do become numb to it you'd be lying anybody who says they're not affected by the things that are said to you every once in a while on the internet, those people are liars. But if you, if you're on there long enough, you become numb to it. And Riggs is, is right. You, you comment back to them, which you should never do because you don't no, feed it, the it, trolls, all that bullshit It's
0: a loser but situation.
4: It is, but you do find out that they're like, Oh no, man, I'm just a big fan. Like I'm just on here, just messing around doing whatever. But yeah, you, you become numb to it, but it's at a certain point, you're just like, that's the internet, man.
3: And sometimes you just can't help it. Like sometimes, you know, you're, you had a few beers or a few transfusions. You're in the Uber on the way home for 10 minutes and you scroll through and you see somebody say something that's just like wrong. And you just, you just gotta fire. Like you're just like, I gotta fire yeah. back here. And then you get down, you're in a little bit of a wormhole. But then, you know, that person will like DM you and be like, ha, like, and you'll look at the history. And they will have DM'd you like 30 was, times, being well, yeah. like Hey, do you think I should be a large or an XL in that new Barcelona golf hoodie? You know, and it's like the yeah. same. So,
0: you, it's just not reality. It's not a real world. The, the problem, real. the problem I have, and like it doesn't matter how you swing, how smooth your swing is, you're going to have somebody that's going to message you and tell you something to fix in your swing. My problem is, I go out and I actually listen to what they say. I got enough thoughts as it is to where. I'm actually trying to make the adjustments as the comments are coming in, and it's just—it's a total mess. It's a total mess.
2: Frankie I, I, does that. I, 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 yeah, I do. I have—I mean, my me- my mind is a fucking—it's a mess. But <laughs> what are they like? The thing that always gets me, and I obviously get affected by a lot of this stuff. Like I read into it, and I just like whatever it just gets me aggravated. But. the the reality of it is like, number one, what do they think like we're trying to accomplish? Are we trying to become professional golfers? Like, I don't understand why critiquing someone's swing in a golf video, an amateur golf video, just trying to show off the golf course has anything to do with like you giving me tips about why I should be like, yeah, you didn't hit that green in regulation. Like, what do you think this is? I don't understand. We're like, I'm just not that good at golf. I don't, I never said I was, I don't, we're just out here golfing. Um, And the other thing that I always have to remember is that like, our, our website has just crazy bad negative comments and when you look at like numbers like just as a when i just go on on barstool sports on my app like you'll see it and they'll just be like this is a joke this is a joke fired these guys fire these guys and there's like 16 of those comments right the numbers right there it's like 16 comments 18 and then we get an email from like our chi- our editor in chief coley and like blogs are doing hun- hundreds of thousands of views right so you have to remember that like there are there are hundreds of thousands of people that enjoy it and that don't say anything and that don't even care to like, they're making an anonymous account roast you for it's like, that's like 16 people. I'm not a good math guy, but like, what is that percentage? It's insane. Now we give them a major voice because they're, they're plastered right there on the website. But I mean, it's just, I have to remind myself that like when there's just, when there's stupid, when there's stupid responses and stupid comments, it's 0.001% of the people that actually are enjoying it. So I have to just keep moving forward and being like, People actually like this shit because that's why it's working.
0: You know what I uh, You know want to talk to you boys about, what I want to touch on, and I'm curious for your thoughts on, is I, I, I want to talk caddies for a second here because when I have a caddy, I, I feel so – there's such a pressure to play good when you have a caddy in the sense of if you're spraying it right, spraying it left, you don't want them going and searching in the woods for your ball and stuff – Trent, I'll start with you. When you well, why did you decide to start with Trent? I, I, wanted, <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted, I want to, I want to, I want because you know what, Trent. Look, I think we have the same <laughs> mindset with it. I'm, a, I'm a high 80s, low 90s guy, and yeah. there's days where I'm just spraying it. And if I have a caddy, there's that extra pressure on me to deliver and to perform.
4: So I actually love a caddy. And I'm sure we all do love caddies because yeah. that's when I do play my best. And it might have the opposite effect on me where. If I am playing poorly, I'll want to play so well in front of a caddy that I'll focus more. I'll be more focused on the shot, more focused on my putts, and it'll make me play way, way better. I'm a terrible golfer. That is very clear to everyone who's watched any of our videos. But if I have a caddy, I do think I'm more focused. And I do feel like shit when I'm spraying it way right and we're off into the woods, seeing parts of the golf course that no one has ever seen. I do feel bad about that. But in, in terms of just having one, it's always really great because I do think I play better. And they're so much better with the core strategy than I am. They just know that place. They know what to do. They know where to put it. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm terrible at it. So I do understand feeling like shit when I'm, you know, duffing balls, topping balls, slicing it like crazy. But it's a net positive overall because I do think I play better. My scores are always better when I have a caddy. Always. Fair.
3: Yeah, caddies too are cool because, like, caddies are always almost like a um... – they're a little bit of everything like a golf, like a local golf junkie, right? Like they're like a historian of the course. They're like a, you know, they've seen every shot of the course. They've seen your game of the course and they're used to, like, they're used to caddying for fucking horrible golfers. Like I, you know, I'll go out and post like an 84. And they'll be like, man, was it awesome to caddy for someone that can really play it. I'm like, I shot 12 over bar. And like, and got like, how was that better? So they see just, Terrible golf all the time. So I think people have to have to realize that because I we'll get messages or folks will say, I'm gonna go to Piners, so I'm gonna go to Bandit or Cabot. I was kind of like I'm reading on the website, they recommend getting a caddy, but I don't know that I'm good enough to get a caddy. I'm like, no, that's you need a caddy more than the person that's a scratch golfer.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Which you- I think I, I think I'm in the same boat as Robbie where like I get n- the nerves about having a caddy it makes me uneasy in the beginning but then like as I develop a relationship with the caddy depending on like who the guy is or whatever like if he's that kind of guy like that really adds to my experience we had the guy Logan at Pinehurst, where it's like my my favorite caddy my favorite golf experience ever I didn't really score the best round but like he had me dialed into like where I was actually, like Trent said, I was paying attention more. Um, I was reading greens better. Like everything about that experience was better because he was there, but the beginning feeling of like first tee jitters, like, listen, like, I don't know how I'm going to be out here. We were at Sage Valley.
3: Tell them the Sage Valley caddy story. Like this next- is one of the, this is one of the best stories I you'll ever hear. love
2: a good caddy story right next, right next to Augusta national. Like basically this place, I think it was like built because someone couldn't get into Augusta. There's like a whole story behind it, but it looks like Augusta. It's like the background of my phone. It's nuts. And we get there and we're playing where uh, we're, we're about to tee off. And so everyone's like, uh, Oh, we're going to go to the range. And I get my caddy. And, and they're this doing guy, the
3: thing where they stand behind you, which is very nerve wracking. Oh, well, I, right?
2: would hate I, that. I, I didn't that. know how my game was going to be. Like, I just hadn't played in a while. So like, I'm really stiff and like, you just don't know what kind of swings going to come out that day. And my caddy's standing right behind me. He's this older man that's, he's like six foot five. And he said he used to caddy at Augusta National. This guy's the real fucking deal. And he's standing behind me. And I take, I swear to God, Robbie, I take three or four swings. I hit maybe eight inches behind the ball. And each time I'm just chunking turf. And like, everyone's looking at me like, who is this guy? My caddy legitimately picks up my bag and just walks away with all my clubs as i'm on the range (laughs) legitimate he's just like oh fuck no like literally under his breath, said oh fuck no goes to like the caddy master tries to like make a deal to get out of whatever he's about to get into and i'm like i'm sweating like where are my clubs i didn't have any like i'm like i want to practice more and i just couldn't so he's on the first seat he just left he's on the first he comes over to us frankie goes did you guys just see what happened? And
3: we're like, we're all like in our own world. We're like, no. He's like, my caddy is trying to get out of my loop right now. Like
4: he he is not allowing me to
2: hit any more balls. He's like, how much you guys play? I go like oh, eighty. Like he's like, no, nah, nah, I, I only do like nine holes. I'm like, I was like, you just made that up. That's not a real thing. Like, I, like we need to figure out how I'm getting my clubs back to play. I'm 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 due onto the course. So he ends up. I we we get driven over to the first tee, and he's laying down. Like out of it, just like on the tee box, like so, just like like aggravated, like trying. He's just like, I can't <laughs> believe it's what happened. Hands button, in my club, you, you haven't even you haven't even teed off yet. No, no so, I'm literally shaking, <laughs> shaking. Kevin Kisner's there. Um, Lee Bryce is there. Everyone's on the tee box, seeing this happen. They're laughing. Kisner's, is like cracking up. And this guy hands me my driver in disgust. Like, I guess we're going to do this. And I tell you, I'm going to tell you this, Robbie. He ended up being the best caddy I've ever had in my entire life. I striped a drive on one. He looks at me and goes, okay, now 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 what was that? And like a little sparkle was in his eye. And I'm telling you, he would do these things where I was about to hit a seven iron and he'd step in front of me and look down on me, like just completely just in my way and go, what are you thinking right now? I'm like, well, I hit the seven iron, 170. He goes, you don't know this golf course. Like I do. He slowly takes a seven iron out, puts a six iron in. He goes, aim left buddy. And like swing free swing with ease into the wind. And I would, I would, I would hit the perfect little cut onto the green. I'd look at him and he's like that man above, man, there's a man above that knows us. And he's like talking about God and all that stuff. We had the funnest time of, I, 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 I will go back to that guy. If I'm ever at Sage Valley, I'm gonna give him a hug because I just had such a great experience with them. It couldn't have started worse though. But that's the caddy experience. I would almost rather have a caddy that knowledge-wise isn't great
0: but has a personality. Yeah. Because they're they're with your crew. You know, you want them to have personality because they could add so much to it. But but the thing that I never understood that always bothered me. Is people who are going to read a putt and the caddy will tell them, you know, where to putt it, where the line is, and they'll question the caddy. And my thing is, these guys see these greens every single day. Most of these caddies spend 10 years there plus, you know, wherever they are. It just amazes me that the people that will question the caddy outside of the pros well,
3: and it'll be—it's like you're the one that's choosing to hit it there, right? So if the caddy tells you to hit it on a certain line and you're not sure, then like hit it on a different line. You don't—that's not a binding like agreement. You can just do whatever the hell you want. So it's like, so yeah, so it, it is ridiculous if people are going to blame. It's also like there's a little aspect that you see it on tour sometimes, even where guys will where guys will say you know a little bit about the caddy. I just think like golf is so frustrating sometimes and so. Like, you know, Brandel Chambly has told us before that, like, you almost have to be delusional to be really good at golf. And I think there's an element of, like, you're trying to act like, I didn't miss that putt. Like, that person, that actually, that other guy over there. Like, Jack Nicholas has always claimed, like, he never missed a putt, that he just, like – Other factors led to the ball not falling into the hole. So you're always looking for something. You're always looking for like a reason. And if there's another human there, you just blame that guy. And I will say, the caddies are so good at wearing it, you know, when they're just so used to it. Like, oh, yeah, it was my bad. It didn't really break. And
0: the guy's like, no, you fucking pushed it, you know, two feet. Well, plus two, you think about these money games too. And the people that are playing for the big money games and you're right. Like the the caddies probably just, they just have to wear it to where, you know, it's instantly the caddies fault, or it's instantly somebody else's fault. You need a new putter, whatever it may be. Yeah.
2: And also if you're in the position to like, ask a guy, a read or like even listen to him and like, he knows that you're taking his advice. You were never in the position to like make the putt in the beat in the first place. Like, like, if I'm, if I'm 25 feet away with a right-to-left slider and this guy's, like, telling me the whole location and where to aim and I miss, am I, like, in any right to look at the guy and be like, well, that was wrong? Like, like as if I was going to do any better without him. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, you might as well just listen to the guy that's telling you what to do because it's not like I know exactly where to hit the putt. I mean, come on. Like, we're fucking amateurs. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And at the same time, too, you'll, you'll see it
0: all the time.
2: Right. All oh, yeah. Time. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The arm, the like, like. Oh, the, oh! Went, went to the right. Every single time. I do you know it all the, the time. Little, just.
0: Yeah. Just
2: <laughs>
0: <the little>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did it do that? How you the fuck know, did it do that? Now. You know, Reeks, I almost wouldn't want to be in the position because you're a very good golfer. You're like what a four no, handicap. No, no. To where I'm I like almost
3: six now. Well, I,
0: I almost wouldn't want to be in that position to where I, I like I would just be even more of a mental because if I go out to the course and I'm expecting out of myself to shoot a 76 or 78, I just would be such in a bad mental state to where like me ideally I say it, but I would like to be like mid eighties and then I'll save myself the hassle. Well, these
3: guys know, like, I've gotten much better about it. I used to, it used to be that way. It used to be a fucking nightmare. Cause you'd be like, no, no, I can just shoot 70. So I've done it before. And now I'm shooting 86. Like, what is that? That's not, and you can't, like, you can't process it. You can't handle it. And, and we're chatting with Trent. Like Trent's been playing great golf back home, going out in Long Island, him and Frankie have been playing. And Trent's been playing like a lot more golf. Than he used to play and and starting to find his groove a little bit. And then we went out West and just got, his dick kicked in <laughs> for two <laughs> days straight. And it's very demoralizing. Like, I've never seen Trent frustrated in my life. And he was borderline, like, pissed off and frustrated because you, you have a certain expectation level of yourself. And there's nothing else that's stopping you from doing it. Like, there's not an unbeatable player on the other side of the court hitting fucking 140 mile an hour serves painting the lines like it's just a golf course a ball sitting still the same set of clubs you've been using the same body that you've had forever and you just can't do it sometimes
0: well and you know what Trent I actually I just saw your guys recent podcast and it was a really tough course that you guys played on and you still can't even like even if the course is just so hard You have no choice but just to beat up on yourself when you're playing bad. And it's hard to really take into account. You know, people say, "Okay, it's a tough course, but it's hard to take that into account. You know what I mean? When you're just not playing well.
4: Yeah, we've definitely, we've been playing like flatter golf courses in the New York area. Then we go play Olympic and we go yeah. play Tory from 7,800 yards, which was a torture chamber. But Riggs is right. And you're right too, where it doesn't matter the course. I, when we've been playing out in the New York area, I can see improvement and I can see the light where it's like, oh, that's where we're headed now. And we're going to be better. And it just takes time and you just got to play and you got to practice and you'll get there. But then you go out West where we went and you do it a couple steps back, even if the golf courses are way harder you still feel like, well, now I no longer see that light and why isn't that light there? It's because you're playing really hard golf courses, but for some reason, your golf brain doesn't accept that. It's like, if I'm playing well at these somewhat easier courses why can't i just play well at these harder courses when you should be able to connect it logically but you can't as a golfer you're just like and, i just want to play well all the time but it's impossible
0: and and that's what kind of back to riggs was saying just like the the grind that it is regardless it's just such a mental grind throughout and you learn to just love it and, and really be obsessed with it uh fellas i know you guys are busy guys i don't want to keep you too long i want to ask you there's like a lot of times, even just seeing the different destination spots that you guys will go to, and and now I'm out playing some nicer courses, I see that there's really nice golf courses, and then there's really nice golf experiences. And to me, credit to you guys, you you really put Pinehurst on the map. I really, you know, Pinehurst obviously is so legendary. Being that Rick spent a year there, uh, you know, yeah. you guys, you really did. You really put Pinehurst on the map, and now I think so many people know. What Pinehurst is to me, it was the best golf experience I've ever had. When you guys think of top ideal golf experiences, what do you think of rigs? I'll start with you.
3: Well, I mean, I'm obviously going to go Pinehurst. I don't think that's surprising to anybody. And Trent, I know Trent's thinking about me crying walking out right now. I can see what everything. I what? Can sense it, which is fine, which is fine. <laughs> it meant so much to me that it brought me to emotional tears. The best, you're right? Like Pinehurst, Pinehurst has done. Like Tom Pastry, the president has done just an insane job of taking pioneers from like the past to the present of like it. Pioneers has always been pioneers, always been a great destination, but it was a lot more like you go and you, maybe you're going to wear like a blazer to dinner and you're going to a little bit walk on eggshells and like your dad will have a great time and he'll be happy that you were there. Whereas now like, they got the cradle. They got transfusions. They've yep. like revamped the deuce bar where it opens up over the 18th green on Pinehurst number two. They've got the brewery. Like it is a fucking Sunderland. experience where you're just going to have a great time start to finish. You could play the cradle barefoot. You could be out there. You, you go by the the pine cone twice during the round and you get drinks and people are chirping. So like they've turned it into an experience, which I think this generation is much more into the overall experience of golf and like it's way more about being out there with your buddies having fun listening to music whatever your kind of speed is than it is about the actual golf courses now for most people
2: yeah i would say um for the general just group of buddies pioneers is the way to go you don't have to take a crazy flight out to like band dunes or all the way up to cabot cliffs like i mean those places are fantastic as well but this is just kind of um you know it's like an easy to get to really good location. So many golf courses, so many things, so much to do. Um, Actually the thing, the place that's really caught my, I mean, it's not hard to say because it's like the most beautiful place in the world, but that's that, that San Diego area, man. I mean, like yesterday sitting down and having breakfast at that lodge and looking out at Torrey Pines, like the fact that that's a public golf course and you have other public tracks around there and you have two courses at Torrey Pines, mm-hmm. like that place to me is like one of my favorite places in the world, man, like Pebble beach as well. But California has just risen up my ranks of like, and you're out there, Robbie, like how can you ever leave that place? Like we for golf we met and up, me and
0: you met up on Torrey Pines, which is a course I had no business being on. <laughs> we met up at Torrey
2: Pines right and and people like i just posted a picture of it and like it looks like the most fake life place by the way great shot rigs i mean i just put that on my instagram the shot you got of me on i forgot what hole that was like 16 or something but sick, isn't it oh yeah unbelievable (laughs) shot but people are like oh must be nice it's like dude that's a fucking public golf course guys are wearing t-shirts and tank tops out there yeah like that's not like a me being a little brat going out there and playing a fucking resort like Go to Torrey pines. You can just forty
3: five bucks. If you live there, if you live there and you have a city card, it's like 45 bucks. So So that's a great golf
2: experience to me. Like it's not, you don't need to, it's not exclusive. You don't need to like spend that much money. If you're a local, like you could just go there and just, and you're on another planet.
4: Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we're going to sound like Pinehurst employees, but Pinehurst is just the best experience you can have. And obviously number two gets a lot of the pub, but I think across the board with us, we love number four. Like number four is more playable. We had a great time out there. So, if, you know, there's a golf course for everybody there. The cradle's great. It's just, and I know we're going to Bandon. I think later this year, I'm excited to go there for the first time, but it's really just hard to be Pinehurst. It's got a little bit of everything for everybody. The brewery's great. The food is great. Everything about Pinehurst, if you're a golf nut, if you're a golf fan, you can't go wrong at Pinehurst. You just can't. Can't. Fellas,
0: I I, got to tell you, and I've said it before, honest to God, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I really do. You're really helping with the golf movement. It's really got me into golf and, you know, doing what I'm doing. And you guys are welcome on the show anytime. Keep pumping out the content. Keep firing Frankie Stank away from the Jameson shots. And (laughs) fellas, I really appreciate the time. I really do.
2: Uh, we really appreciate it. We've been big fans. Um, your golf stuff is fantastic too. You know, you got the whole little crew with you. We, I mean, rigatoni's and the cold cuts and just every person that you bring out there is phenomenal. And hopefully we can meet on the golf course. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll do something. With, with Fellas we crew. got that.
0: That's a must that we will make mm-hmm. happen. I think from yeah. a content perspective, I think that would just set the world on fire totally Your fucking voice makes me laugh every time
3: right? really- the best. It's, it's so, so good, good. <laughs> it's the best man it's
0: the best thank you for having us we uh, i really it. really appreciate you fellas all right until next time
2: thanks for having thanks thank man you.
0: later boys